medical history. It's all for teaching purposes. Okay, so I started Panopta. So today what we're going to do is we have, even though it's 8 slides, it's the lecture between today and when I see you guys again on Thursday, right? Okay, so we already, um, oh my God, did I load the wrong one? No, I picked up the wrong one. Sorry, guys. Oh, I picked up the wrong study. But I have the, where is it, where is it, where is it? Oh, here we are. This should be the pathology one, okay. Okay, I don't wanna edit. No, wait, wait, wait. Oh, once again, oops, sorry. Maybe glasses might help. How are you guys doing otherwise? Is that it? You see it, right? Yeah, let me just put on my glasses. You don't have to get it, thanks. It's because I'm trying not to use these foggy things. And I should, where, where do I have it? Yeah, okay, you know what it was? It was up there the last time I opened it. All right, do you guys have any questions on uh, anything that needs to be clarified before we, could, before we start? All right, nothing? So we're gonna, we're gonna hear the same things over and over again, and we're gonna look at some images, so some of it might be repetitive. So with the chest pathology, we're gonna look, if there's an initial and a modality of choice, we're gonna look, you know, we're gonna determine those discuss those and then we're going to interpret images for all of those that are listed there so it's a lot but some of them are a little more involved than others some of them are not so with that in mind let's just talk about um atelectasis and we've we've spoken about atelectasis before and once again these patients will present with shortness of breath right we said that atelectasis is not a diagnosis right it's not a clinical diagnosis it is a symptom, a sign, and it can be part of any chest, some chest pathologies. That's why it's not like congestive. When you say congestive heart failure, it's congestive heart failure. When you say atelectasis, it could be part of any patho chest pathology. Not all, but some. Okay, so we had also kind of reviewed when we talked about atelectasis, um, with regards to whether it's lower or segmental, you know, we're gonna talk mostly about it with regards to lower at this point. Um, and then there's direct and indirect signs. So that's what this table is um, describing. So with regards to a direct sign, we said once again, atelectasis is a collapse. If it's a collapse of a lobe, if it's a collapse that's, um, that's large enough, forceful enough, right, to have a pulling effect, then you can have a displacement of the interlobular fissure, right? Does it always happen? Not always, but it's possible. And then we also said the other direct sign is that we do have what? Because, it's a, because the lung is collapsing, you do have an increased density in the lung that collapsed. And we gave the, the whole idea of the empty balloon, right? A balloon that is not filled with air and how dark the color looks as opposed to when it's air, full of air, the difference between those, that's basically what that prescribes too. And then the indirect signs, because sometimes with an atelectasis, you may not be able to find it, but you can find indirect signs that can help you. So some of the indirect signs are bronchovascular crowding of the lung that's collapsed, right? Does that make sense? Because if it's, if it's collapsing, then everything that used to be spread out over a larger surface area is now in a smaller surface area. 
so everything's crowded, right? If you have if you have an empty if you have an empty room or you have ten people in a room, then it's not crowded. But when you put a hundred people in there, everybody's closer together, right? Same concept. And then they talk about ipsy lateral diaphragm elevation. Once again, it all depends on which lobe, right? Collapse is collapsed will determine if it's going to affect the uh, elevation. And elevation, why? Because it's a pulling force, right? So that's why it would be an elevation. Then we talked about um, higher elevation depending on the lobe. So if it's an upper lobe, right, it's going to pull the hilum up. We said which one is higher than the other? The left is higher, right? So it, depend, it doesn't matter which one, it's just always gonna be higher, whichever, whichever um, higher, whichever side it's on. Or if it is that, if it's a lower lobe at, at electasis, then it's gonna cause a depression. So it's all about pulling forces, right? Um, compensatory hyperinflation of the other lobes. Because the whole thing with our body is that we like, the body wants to be in homeostasis. It always wants to go back to normal. Right? So in this case, what's going to happen is that the other, the other lobes are going to pick up the slack. So they're going to have to become, you're going to have a redirection of air to the other lobes. So that's why they're going to look a little bit more, um, they're hyperinflated, so they're going to look more radio, what? Radio lucent, because they're going to have more air. So anytime you think, anytime you hear hyperinflation of the lungs, expect the lung to look a little bit more radiolucent than a normal lung would look. Um, I don't know, shifting granuloma, forget about that. That granulomas are just little masses, so you could X that out. That's a little too detailed for us at this point. Um, uh, ipsilateral small hemithorax, it's just saying that the thorax itself could look a little, the one half, whichever side it's on, can look a little smaller. And ipsilateral rib space narrowing. Well, that would make sense, because if you're collapsing, the, what do the ribs do, right? You, the thorax expands and, and contracts. So when they're talking about the rib narrowing, they're just talking about the space between one rib and the other, because now, that, now the lung is collapsed, so everything is gonna just be closer together with regards to one rib, one rib next to the other in whichever area the lobe is, okay? So what is some of the etiology of the various forms? So they have, the, they have various forms of atelectasis. Um, I just want you guys to, because you're going to do all of this stuff again when you do clinical medicine. But just to know that if, think of it, if you're talking about a tumor, a foreign body, or mucus, that's post-obstructive, right? Meaning that wherever the obstruction is, right, the, where, the, the area posterior or the area after the obstruction is going to be collapsed. So post-obstructive um, atelectasis. If you had a lo lobectomy, that would make sense, right? That's post-operative, it's, it's called post-operative atelectasis. Or when you have pleural fluid, it's more of a compression atelectasis. And then trauma or neuromuscular disorders or an infection, that's restrictive movement. So in other words, these are just the different types. I just wanted the etiology of the different forms, but we're not going to, um, we're not going to harp on that too much. Okay, so this is an image of an atelectasis. Gosh, I was supposed to put a, a normal next to it. 
So anyway, but it's an, okay, so think about this, right? You see where the arrow is? Can you appreciate the collapsed lung? Very radio dense. So how do you know it's not the heart? How do you know it's not the heart? What do we say about the heart? How do you, well, on a normal chest, the soft tissue shadow of the heart, are we supposed to be able to see through it and see some of the vertebrae, right? So look at that, it's very radiopaque. The other thing too is the shape, right? The heart doesn't look like that. We don't have, we don't have, we don't have the shape of it itself should also clue you in. So then look at the lateral view. So on the lateral view, right, it's showing you at, at the same level you have this, this area of radiopacity. So first of all, atelectasis, you expect radiopacity, correct? And when it comes to radiopacity, you're going to find that it's going to be very, if it's lobular or even if it's linear, it's going to be very like a structured look. Because if you look at that, you can see how structured it is as opposed to the outline of the, the left ventricle of the heart. So it looks very structured. And then what's even more fascinating and lovely to see is the CT. So once again, which window is this? That's a soft tissue window, right? Look at all the soft tissue around it. You, you, don't, even, you don't see the vasculature of the lung. So this is the soft tissue window. There's all the soft tissue around it, and here's your radiopacity. Yeah, can you appreciate it? Black, it shouldn't look black. It looks gray, soft gray. So that's the atelectasis. That's the, the area of the lung. That's the part of the lung that's collapsed. And if you go back to the x-ray, this is the vertebral column. So it is what? Posterior to the vertebral column on this image, right? And then here, you are what? Anterior, posterior. Anytime you see the vertebral column, you know that you're looking posterior. Any questions? Okay. So look at another, this is another upper, right upper lobe segmental atelectasis. This is a normal, I had put the normal next to it. Look at the segment, you see the linear line, right? Can you appreciate, so this is the linear, this is actually the elevation of the uh, major fissure. So because you're elevating the lung, the upper lobe of the lung collapsed, and then it did what? It pulled the, because it's an upper lobe, so it pulled the fissure, so now there's crowd, so the fissure is now more, um, you're now able to see it because you have a smaller space. Remember crowding? So that's a linear atelectasis. Yeah? Okay, so in summary, displacement of the fissures strongly suggests an atelectasis. On the PA view, the only fissure you see is the minor fissure on the right, and uh, the fissures on the left, you see them better. If there's any change on the oblique, right? Because they lie a little bit more posterior. Remember that image? 
And then once again, crowding of the lung tissue, compensatory hypoventilation of the surrounding lung tissue, and displacement of the surrounding structures, and that's the vacuum effect. So what are we talking about when we talk about displacement? What do you relate that to? Tracheal deviation. That's what they call the vacuum. What does a vacuum do? Sucks things, right? So that's what they're talking about there, displacement of the surrounding structures is um, when you relate it to uh, tracheal deviation, ipsilateral or contralateral to the, to the, at the where the atelectasis, the side the atelectasis is occurring, ipsilateral. So that's what they're talking about. If it's large enough to pull, if it's a large enough pulling force. Um, and that's what we said, right? Atelectasis is not a disease in itself. It's regarded as a manifestation of an underlying lung disease. So can you have, and then we're gonna talk about pneumonia. When we talk about pneumonia, we're gonna say that you with pneumonia, you, you don't have um, a, a collapse, you don't have any collapse of the lung. So you won't see an atelectasis in a patient with pneumonia. So, but you'll see it in, in you can see it in a pleural effusion. Makes sense, right? Because the pleural effusion is going to be pushing on the lung, so it's going to, it can cause a collapse if it's large enough. So that's why we're saying it is not a disease itself, but it can be found as part of uh, pathology. So this summary tells enough, right? Tells it. So once again, it is a pulling force. You can, um, depending, you can have deviation of the trachea to the ipsilateral side. You can see uh, fissures. The fissure will become fissures will become visible depending on where the lung is and the extent. We said the other lung is the other lung is going to be hyperinflated, so more radiolucent. The lung where the side where you do have the atelectasis, you're going to have crowding, right? of the, the blood vessels, of all the vessels, whether it's blood vessels or whether it's air, airway. Airway, like the ar um, arterioles and so forth, because we're collapsing. Yep. Okay. Yes. Oh, oh, oh sorry, I'm going in the wrong direction. The CT. What is the gray this? Here. That's the collapsed lung. It's supposed to be black. It's supposed to look like the other side. When in doubt, look at the other side, especially if the other side looks different. That's, that's the best way to, that's what we tell you. Look at both sides. Remember with the, remember with the heart now, with the brain? Sym symmetry, we're lucky in that some of our organs, we have two. So it's always good to look at the other side. We always keep, we, going back to, we go back to the same basics. It's not going to change. Air should always be black. Lungs are aerated. You should have, you should be able to see black. Once you see something like that in the lungs, in the CT of the lungs, then you start thinking that, no, there's a radiopacity that should not be there. So always go back to the basics. What is, what is in this area? What, what am I expected to see radiographically? 
in a normal, and if it's not, then something's going on. And that's the first point, starting point. Okay, that's a good question. Anybody else? Okay. All right, so we just talked about atelectasis. We just said it's not uh, pathology. It is just, it can occur, it results in other pathologies of the lung. So this, so I'm going back to when we talked about now our airspace disease. Remember last week, we talked about airspace versus interstitial disease when it comes to the lungs. And we started to talk about the whole fluffy consolidation concept. So this is just basically a radiograph. I'm just, this is just a review of some of the radiographic characteristics of airspace disease. So the first thing is that it can be lower or it can be segmental. So you can either have airspace disease in an entire lobe or, or it can just be a segment within the lobe. The other thing is that it's poorly, poorly marginated, and we, we talked about that, this whole cloudy, fluffy appearance because it's the airways. So, um, so like I was telling one of your classmates, I always think of the lungs, uh, when, when you think of the lungs, I always think of it as like a bunch of grapes. So the interstitium is the main branches where you have the actual grapes are held. So when we talk about airway disease, we're talking about what's going on in the actual grape itself. When we talk about interstitial, we're talking about the vine, the rest. I'm in a bunch of grapes, right? The, the, the structures that hold, they hold the grapes on the piece, right? So that's how I always say to you could relate interstitial with um, airway. So when we, talk about, when we talk about characteristics of airway diseases, the reason why we say it's poorly, first of all, the reason why we say it's lobar or subsegmental, because if you look at a bunch of grapes, you have much, all a bunch of little branches coming off, right? Little stems off of the main. So that's how you could look at it. When we talk about poorly marginated airways, airways, you know, the alveoli, they're not fine, they're not structured like the actual um, stems, they're not, they're not interstitial, they don't, they don't, they're not the scaffolding, so they're not going to be fully uh, margin marginated, you're not going to have a particular shape, they're going to vary in shape. The other thing is, you can have um, airspace nodules, why can you have airspace nodules, because we said when it comes to um, the uh, consolidation, that those air sacs can be filled with pus, they can be filled with blood, they can be filled with cancer cells, right? So if you say nodular, start thinking maybe the cancer, you know, little cancer cells. Air bronchograms, well we talked about air bronchograms, we said that, we said that um, when it comes to the airway filled with air on a background of air, it's going to be difficult to see the smaller, right, branching airway vessels, but if you give a background of radiopacity now because you do have an airspace disease, right, the white, now you will be able to see the branching of the smaller airways. So that's what we, that's what we talk about with regards to air bronchograms. And then we have the bat's wing, or sometimes they call it the butterfly distribution. And when we, certain stages of pulmonary edema, meaning edema means fluid, right? If you have excess fluid. Remember when we talked about, um, when we talked about the hyalur region, and we said that within, within the hyalur region, what do, we, what do we have? Usually it's concave. Oh, Lord. Well, okay. Just pretend. Pretend.
pretend this is a hyalur region, right? So when, what am I talking about? Oh, the butterfly appearance. So remember we said in the hyalur region is where all the blood vessels, BVs, that's where all the major bl blood vessels, right, start branching off. So when they talk about the butterfly or the bat's wing appearance, what they're essentially saying is that you have the fluid accumulating basically in this area. So the apices and the base, you don't have the, the opacity. So all of this and all of this is going to be white. So, you could, so it looks like a bat. And this would not have as much opacity, the base and the apex. And when we talk about congestive heart failure, pulmonary edema, which, which is one of the stages of um, congestive heart failure, we're going to talk about, we're going to see this appearance. So you'll have all this, you'll have radiopacity here, but when you look above and below, there the may be radiopacity, but it's not going to be as predominant as in the hyalur region. Because what did we also say about blood vessels when it comes to... Um, branching out and when it comes to the ability to see it on a radiograph. Remember we said that they get thinner as you move outwards right from the hyla. When you go towards the periphery, they're there but in a radiograph because they're so small, it's very hard to trace them to the outer, at least the outer one third of the periphery of the lung, parenchyma. Does that remember that? And that the only time you see them is usually when you have edema because now you have this overload. You have this overload of fluid, so it's more, right? It's like if you have a jug with water and you fill it to the top, what's gonna to happen if you keep on filling it to the top? It's gonna to overflow. So that's basically what's happening with pulmonary edema. So it's overflowing, and if it's overflowing, the, the, the vessels are trying to get the blood, get the excess fluid out, so you're gonna be able to see them. So there's a redirection of the blood flows, and now you can actually see every, all of the vessels to the periphery. So that's what we talk about the um, bat wing distribution. And then the other thing is that there's a rapid change over time. So what does that mean? It means that a patient can come in with, a, 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 you know, you could do a chest x-ray on a patient with pulmonary edema, and you maybe you won't see the bat wing appearance, or you'll see slight radiopacity and you could take a chest x-ray you know two hours later or six hours later and you can have full-blown pulmonary edema so it changes really rapidly over time okay when it comes to radiopacities and airway disease so does that anybody has any questions before i move on okay so now we get into our pneumonias first question is is pneumonia an airway disease or an interstitial Airspace, I'm sorry, airspace, not airway. Airspace or interstitial? Airspace, right? So pneumonia is an airspace disease. Okay, so then we're going to see how, depending on the organism, it can look interstitial. All right? So keep that in mind. But basically, right, it is... An airway disease, it is an airway disease, oh my God, an airspace disease depending on the offending agent because it could change. All right, so once again, imaging patient comes in, shortness of breath, check, right? Patient has a cough, 
And we're going to see it could be productive or non-productive depending on what we're dealing with. The patient will have, could have fever, will have fever, and just feeling ill, right? So you don't know what's going on. So you're going to order your chest x-ray, PA and lateral. Or if it is that your patient's in the unit, it's going to be a what view? An AP, right? Okay. So when we're talking about pneumonias, we classify them into um, bacterial, viral. There's so many other different classifications. But for, for this class, we're going to focus on the bacterial and the viral. So let's look at bacterial pneumonia. Okay. So what about the pathophysiology of pneumonia? So you hear it here, and it helps you to make a little sense. And then you'll hear it again when you do ER, when you do pulmonology, when you do infectious disease. So let's start, with, let's start it off here. So what you have is you have a pathogenic organism, and it penetrates to your distal, right, your distal bronchi, and into the pulmonary parenchyma, so into the, the actual structure of the lungs. And then you have activation of both a, a cellular and a humoral, the immune system. And then we manifest it, that's manifested both clinically and radiographically as pneumonia. So that's the pathophysiology. Okay, so what do they do? How do these organisms that are responsible for pneumonia get in? After they get into the lung, how do they, how do they get in actually into the, how do they actually get into the lung once they've gotten into the airway? So they can go either via the tracheobronchial tree or they can actually go in via the pulmonary vasculature itself. So that means something like sepsis, something in the bloodstream, right? So it's not coming in through hair. It's not coming in through hair. It's coming in through the bloodstream, via the bloodstream. Or it could be a direct spread from an infection in the metastinum, the chest wall, or the upper abdomen. So it can come in all different shapes and forms. When we talk about those via the tracheobrachial tree, it's either inhalation or aspiration of infectious microorganisms. So when we talk about an aspiration pneumonia, these are your patients who are usually um, bedridden, right? Um, either they're elderly patients or maybe they're patients who are paralyzed. And, and what happens is that after being fed, you know, NG2, whatever, they it aspir they aspirate it and now it goes into the lungs. So that's aspiration pneumonia. Or um, it can also, so it's secondary to that. The other thing that when we talk about the tracheobronchial um, tree, the root route, you can divide it into three different types. So you either have, you can divide it into lobular pneumonia, lobar, I'm sorry, lobar pneumonia, the entire lobe, lobular or bronchopneumonia, so now it's the, lobule, the lobules within the lobe, and then also as an atypical pneumonia. So that's more or less how we're going to view pneumonia in this, um, in this class. So remember the silhouette sign? Remember when I talked about the silhouette sign and we talked about the interface? Remember we, we talked about... Oh God, this thing's looking uglier and uglier. Remember we talked about the, 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 the fact that you have air and soft tissue, right? And this interface, these borders, you can see them. They're pretty, they're pretty easy to see. 
because of the difference in the, not just the density, but the radio density, because they're related, right? And then we said that when you have um, in like an airspace disease and you have consolidation, what happens is now all of this, this area becomes white and then depending on where, which lobe it is, you won't be able to see certain borders. The silhouette sign, sounding familiar? Oh, yeah? So when we look, and that's what, it, and that's what this diagram here. So the silhouette sign has, and I told you this is memorization, because if you cannot see a certain structure, it's just going to tell you where you have the, where the disease is located. So this table, you just got to memorize it. And you got, you got to memorize it, and you've also got to, um, while you're memorizing, you need to relate it to the outline next to it. So if you're looking, so if you're looking at a chest radiograph and you see, you cannot find, um, you cannot see the ascending aorta, which is right along this border here. Very hard to distinguish from the superior vena cava on this border. But if you cannot see this border here, that's, that's where your ascending aorta is, then you know you're dealing with a right upper quadrant. Oh, me, a right upper loop. Okay, and then when we said, if you cannot see the right heart border, we're looking at a middle lobe, an issue with the, in the middle lobe, some sort of consolidation. And then when you cannot see the right hemidiaphragm, we're looking at the right lower lobe. So just go through them, right? And all you, what you have to do is the first thing you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to look at the chest x-ray. You're gonna pay close attention to the lung tissue, the parenchyma of the lung. You're gonna look at one versus the other. And you're gonna look, say to yourself, do I have an area that's radio opaque? So that's the first thing you have to scan. You remember we did the A, B, C, D, E thing? So when it comes to the, uh, the lungs, the F for the fields of the lung, that's where you're gonna have to look. You're gonna have to roam your eyes around all the borders, all these borders. And then you wanna, cause you wanna see is can I see them? Because sometimes what would happen is that maybe they, you can't even visualize. It's maybe you can't even pick up the consolidation, but what you can pick up is that you cannot see the definitive interface so sometimes it works to help you you start off in the opposite direction so it could work one of two ways you see what i'm saying so if you say let me look at the outline of the metastinum right so can i see can i see the a definitive interface between them or does something look a little a little white and i can't tell right that's usually that's usually a good a good starting point especially when it comes to now getting a custom and the other thing too is make sure you have a normal next to it. So with, this, with that telling you what you need to look for and what each one represents, this image here, what I wanted to show you, this image is a, a magnified view of right, the metastinum. So that when we talk about, uh-oh, when we talk about the, the um, what did we say this, what did we say this area was, this interface? Ascending aorta, right? So I just wanted you, with the ascending aorta, it stops at the point where you go into the right atrium. 
So I just wanted, and then this is, I just wanted you guys to, to be able to pick out the, so this is the ascending aorta. This is your right atrium. So then what, what area is this here? Descending. That's the aortic arch or the aortic knob. That's when it starts to turn, yes, to go descending. And then what is this one here? which you can hardly see because of the softness of the heart. That's the descending, which is very hard to pick up because you know, you'll see that more if you do it on the lateral view. So then I also gave you guys this. So it can, it can help you to visualize with regards to the PA and the lateral. So you see how they flipped it. So when you're going one side to the other, how much easier it is. So I gave you guys that as your reference. Okay. So this 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 is this is not this is not something that I can I can teach you. This is something you guys need to sort of practice on visualizing and trying to pick it up. You get what I'm saying? I could only teach you the theory part of this because there's no other way for me to tell you this is that's the left lower lobe. Understand what I'm saying? It's not that I'm, I'm don't want to explain, but I, it is, it's just what it is. So it's just about, you know, just looking at them and looking at them and, and pulling up. Um, you could pull up a bacterial pneumonia on radi or pneumonia on radiography and just start looking at images and seeing, okay, this is this. And hopefully you won't have a label and then just trying to see, can I find the consolidation? Yes. When is it localized? Or you're asking me if it is localized? Bacterial pneumonia. It's more, it's consolidated in most cases. Certain, in certain ones it may not be. Because you could have, so the question is, is it more localized? It's more localized when you can actually, when you have a particular lobe that's affected. Sometimes with pneumonia, you can have a diffuse pneumonia. With diffuse pneumonia, it's not localized into quadrants like that or into lobes, but it's still the same fluffy, because uh, sometimes what happens, you may have an, a little small subsegmental or lobular, which is the smaller lobe, and what happens is they coalesce. So they start looking like little balls of cotton that come together, but it's still lobular. So they, the bigger it is, the bigger the, the, the if, it's, if it's related to a particular lobe, this, the silhouette sign helps. But, but bacterial pneumonias don't always fit the textbook like this does. Okay, so maybe when we move to the other one. So this is just um, for your visual and to learn them, you know, next to the silhouette. Um, so, for example, lob lobar pneumonia, I keep saying lobular. So, this patient came in, it's a 57-year-old, fever, chills, and a productive cough. Key, key feature with the typical bacteria is this productive cough. Well, fever and chills, uh, viral can cause fever, right? You have upper respiratory tract infection, you can get a fever, it's, it's viral, it's not. This is the key, the key is the productive cough. So. This is typical, right? So look at this, look at, look at this area. So what are we looking at? This is an upper lobe pneumonia, right upper lobe, right? Right, because 
if you lift your if you lift the hand that you your arm that you're seeing lift the hand that you're seeing it on when you're facing the patient okay yeah lift it thanks thanks Danny it's a left right okay so that's a left upper it's your left hand but it's which lobe upper right okay so what do we know about the lobar pneumonia and, and if you look at this, you're saying, but Ms. Hadid, the, you don't have the silhouette sign. Do you? It's not really apparent. And that's what I was saying, that the silhouette sign can help you, especially when it's not as, you know, lobular as this. This is like really right off the bat, because when you just know, if you know diagrammatically, right, you're not going to use the silhouette sign to figure this one out, because you really don't have... The, the, the interface, the inability to see the interface, you can. But in this case, it's because it's really lobular, lobar, 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 not lobular, lobar, right? You can actually distinguish it. And then here you can appreciate it a lot more in terms of the, the that it's, be, it's an upper, um, if it's an upper lobe, because um, you can look here on the lateral. So when you're not quite sure of the lobes on a PA, the lateral will help you, and I will give you both. Okay? Because sometimes it's not too easy to distinguish, especially the upper lobe ones, right? Because you always think of upper lobe as being just a pair, right? That's more apices, but remember the upper lobe has the apices, which are the narrowing. We never think, well, I never thought of it that way that the, the upper lobe will be so low down. Yeah, it is, because we're, we, we're so, we talk a lot about the apices of the lung. So what do we know about lobar pneumonia? The airways are usually spared, air bronchograms are common, and significant volume loss is unusual. We do not have an atelectasis with a lobar pneumonia. Yes? Why do we have bronchograms again? Why do we see a bronchograms? Yes? Visualize, exactly. So the, sorry? Film, yes, you're reversing, right? So the answer was, it's because you have the consolidation, so now you have the, the smaller vessels are able to be seen, so it's more like a reverse like a, a background change, right? A change in the background in terms of visually. Very good, so that's lobar pneumonia. Okay, lobular, so with lobular pneumonia, remember the reason why I have these images is for you to be able to appreciate more like the CT. Because when we talk about lobular pneumonia, we're talking about the actual what? very very small little pocketings right divisions within the segments and the segments are within the lobes right so we're going down to a very very small much smaller anatomical area so when it comes to uh, lobular pneumonia like you see here this patient has um, a pneumococcal pneumonia so pneumococcal pneumonia is the most common, the most common cause of a bacterial pneumonia. Most common, right? It's not always. Um, it presents with as consolidation. 
So with this patient here, so these were the diagrammatic representation of what, what I'm trying to show you here. So remember um, I said that sometimes they look, they're still consolidated, but they're not, you don't have the same appearance like we did with the lobes. This is a good example. So what do we have here? We have sub-segmental, and that's what that little, you see the little, the little triangle area? That's a subsegmental. So it's not a lobe, but it's a segment within the lobe. That's this area. Which, which arm is this? My left, right? No, this is my right. So that's the patient left, right? So look at the patient's left side. So you see the triangle? It almost looks like a triangle. Opacity. Yes? Everybody could appreciate it. So that's a segment. That's a subsegment, a segment. So that's segmental pneumonia. Yes? That's a subsegment of lower left. It is more posterior, yes. So it'll be more of a subsegment of a lobe, of the lobe, yes. So that's what I'm saying. So it, it, it looks more, and you know how you appreciate segmental? I'll show you on a, a, a nuclear VQ scan. Really helps to appreciate that. So then you see, so you see that's a subsegment. And then look at what the arrows are showing you. You see how you have little, now you have little cotton balls all the way in between. Those are the lobular patterns. You have it in the right upper lobe, you have it in the lower lobe, the right lower lobe. So wherever those arrows are. So look at this segmental side, which is more defined and more geometric. And look at the lobulars, the other side, and look at how there's still consolidation. It's still radiopacity. It's still not linear, but they are diffusely throughout. So it's all about going from, it's all about going from a lobe, oh God. It's all about going from a lobe right, low bar, and that's where we talked about the silhouette sign and we saw those images, remember those? So we're going from a low bar to a, in this image, in this image here, we're going to a sub-segment, sub-segmental, and then the little ones are now at the level of the lobules. So we're going smaller and smaller in size, so they're, not, so they're not going to look as structured, and that's a good way to think of it, structured. Any questions? No? So there's your anatomy, okay. Um, and then, just before I send you guys off, no, when you come back, we look at the images, but just to, just because I want to, it's time for break, no? I, I don't know, my watch is sometimes fast. It's 10.47, so I have three minutes, yes. Okay, so in my three minutes, what I'm saying is low bar, right? Low bar, agree? Low bar. Sub-segmental, you see how structured? Because you have the interstitium that sort of keeps it, the borders, right? to lobular, all these little 
still consolidation, still airway disease. Appearance is what the only thing that's different. And you could relate it to, look, the little sinner. So these are the little sacs, air sacs themselves. So if those become fluffy, that's why you see them looking like this. The grapes. So now what we're talking about is we took, so let's go back to our bunch of grapes. You guys are going to look at grapes differently by the end of this. Um, you're going to look at grapes and say, oh, no, I'm eating my alveoli. So what, what we want what we, what we to think of, oops, sorry, is all of these, right, all of the grapes. So we're thinking of all of these bunches. They're all over the place, right? So we're thinking that lobar would be the whole thing. Subsegmental will be off of, let's say, off of this branch. These are the ones off of this branch. So this will be subsegmental. And lobula is when it's just in this, these little areas that you have it. Yeah? So with that, go take your break and come back in 10 minutes. I know, what's the deal with people leaving there? For other people to clean up. I think I'm going to switch on. Can I, where are we? Are we? Oh. I gotta take this off.
So just um, when, when the images that I had of atelectasis didn't show a tracheal deviation, but this one does. Can you guys appreciate it? Right? So the, the, the good thing to do is when, you're, um, when, you're, when you are looking at these things and you want to see the variations, because you remember every patient, you're always going to have variations of the same pathology or the same um, sign. Just do, you know, atelectasis of the right lobe, atelectasis of atelectasis with tracheal deviation, because then those are the images that come up that really help you to appreciate. So this is pulling it ipsilaterally, right? Okay, okay, we're off, I'm on, all right, let me go here. Um, oh no, this was atelectasis, that was backwards. So we got the lobula and the whole concept of small, all the different branches and so forth. Okay, so here's a, this is a 76 year old male no, that's not the ones I want. Okay, so this is a 76-year-old male who has what? What did he, what did he um, present with? Cough, right, and fever. And he has a left lower lobe mass. So as you can see, if you try and visualize the border of the, um, try and visualize the border. So this is, you have the hard hair and then if you visualize, you can see a slight border. Can you see that just behind the heart where the arrow is? And you cannot appreciate it, but you see how you could appreciate it on the lateral. So what did this patient have? This patient actually had, um, after they saw the mass and they did this CT, they, all, they did, a, they did a, a blood culture, and this patient had pneumoco a pneumococcal infection. So what is the purpose of showing this? The, the purpose of showing this is that you can have pneumonia that can be what they call rounded pneumonia, round, R-O-U-N-D, like it's round, where it can present as if a mass, like if you have an actual mass, but the difference is the presentation because the patient um, has, uh, when you have a mass in the lung, the patients usually don't have fevers and chills and so forth. But when you look at it on an x-ray, you, you have to decide, determine, am I dealing with a pneumonia? Am I dealing with a mass? So that's why they do the CT. And then when the blood work came back, it showed a pneumococcal infection. Yes? No, it's not. It's Cons the way it's consolidating is, is as a ball within. So it's not like segmental, it's not diffuse, it's not lobular. So what the important point here is that you need to have the patient's history and you need to always connect the history and the physical exam, right, with the, um, with the radiology exam, okay? So it is consolidation. You will get de decreased breath sounds in that area because that's how consolidation presents when you listen with your stethoscope. But in this case, it wasn't a mass. And the margins, you see when they say ill-defined margins, that's another thing. You're like, oh, okay. So it could be one or the other. But usually the mass, the margins are not, uh, they're, they're, you, they're a little less, they're a little more structured, maybe. It, there can be such variations. 
So then this one is a bronchopneumonia. So that's what I wanted. So this is a staph aureus. So we said the most common bacterial um, pneumonia is caused by, so, huh? Strep, right? So, yes, streptococcal, yeah? What's the most common? Pneumococcal, right? Yeah, what's that, sorry? What happened? Oh, pneumococcal, oh, you were answering. Which on the staff? Yeah, nosocomial infections. So that's another thing. It also, it, the, depending on where your patients are. So staph infections are not the common, the most common bacterial um, cause of a pneumonia, but they do cause a bronchopneumonia. So this is nososomal. So the patient developed this in, in patient, like a hospital patient, uh, bless you, a patient who is like in a nursing home, right? in confined, so this patient is a patient with staph pneumonia. So if you notice, it's multifocal airspace. So it's, it's still, it's still cloud, cloudy. It's still puffy. No, what was the word? Fluffy, puffy. It's still fluffy. It's still in these little, right? Little rounded, it's diffused. It's not lobar, right? It's not segmental. Right, you can consider it as being lobular, but it's more multi, multi-lobular and very diffuse, and that's the CT. So the thing with this patient is there are a number of things. Then they did a contrast CT, and you remember the coronal slice is the one that is closest to the um, radiograph, right? The the PA. Um, so what are they showing you there? So you see they have the air, all the air spaces is the white, right? Not the black. Opacities, right? We're talking consolidation. We're talking air space disease. So all the black is the black is the air. That's the non-diseased air spaces. The white is the diseased air spaces. And then they have what they call ground glass opacity. So every time, did you remember when COVID, when they were talking about CT and COVID, they were talking about ground glass opacities. So with ground glass opacities, it's like um, when you, you know when you smash a glass and it is all these very, very fine pieces, right? So it's air, but it, it has a, a particular presentation. So in the case of the ground glass opacities, they almost look like like uh, air, like a little bit of air in it, and they're very. It's very. It's sort of difficult. I hope <clears throat> difficult to to sort of um, describe it in a way that will help. Oh. Huh? Yeah. No. Even when you Google a picture, but so it looks like they're little bubbles, but they're not fully air bubbles. It has a particular appearance. So when we do ground glass opacities again, I'll show you. But in this case, what I want to focus on is the fact that you have the diffuse, right? The diffuse um, radio opacities, and then they talk about a pneumatocele. So what does a pneum? Pneumo means, pneum is air. So the pneumatoceles, you see those rounded, those rounded, really black, it's all black. Those are just where air got trapped into little seas, little bubbles. We can see pneumatoceles in the, um, in the brain sometimes, depending on if you have, like the, when we do fractures, when we do the facial fractures, 
orbital fractures. Sometimes you have pneumoceles in the orbitals area. So bronchopneumonia is what they're talking about. Now it, is, it looks completely different. Remember we said that there are three ways that they, it can present, right? So this is what bronchopneumonia would look like. So I got this little diagram and I figured let me put it together. So diagrammatically you can appreciate the difference between lobar pneumonia and bronchopneumonia. And that's exactly what we just saw there, right? And then here's the images at the bottom so that you can look and compare. So this is lobar, right? Single lobe or multiple lobes, right? Presence of the air bronchogram. So you could appreciate the bronchogram here, the air bronchogram, you see like a tree branch. Air, the little, the smaller airways against the consolidation of the lung. Notice you cannot see them. Can you see any of those branchings on the left lung? No, because you don't have the consolidation like you do on this right lung. Appreciate it? Can you appreciate the, do you appreciate the air bronchograms? Anybody not? Don't worry if you can't. Just, I would rather, I would rather, or if you don't want to say, you can come and see me after. And then look at the bronchopneumonia, multifocal lobular. There is no air bronchogram because you don't have all of the packing into that lobe or that segment. So that's another way of looking at it. <clears throat> is that with a, with a bronchopneumonia or lobular pneumonia, you don't have the packing of everything all coalescing together. That's more of lobular or segmental. So I just thought this would be a good, um, this kind of gives you a good comparison side by side diagrammatically as well as um, from a imaging. Still talking about bacterial pneumonia, right? Okay. So, pneumonia as a whole before we move on to the other kinds, right? And this is pneumonia as a whole, whether it's bacterial or not, really important. You can have small pleural effusions. We said that. That's possible. You may see an air bronchogram sign, especially if you have lobar or subsegmental pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia never associated with a volume loss, whether it is interstitial or whether it's consolidation. No shift in metastinal structures. Who do we leave that to? So those two, they're not associated with volume loss and the no shift, we're to, what does that refer you to? If you see a radiopacity. What? It begins with an A, atelectasis. It's still a radiopacity, it's still a radiodensity, it's still, you know, white, in an area that's supposed to be black. But it's why is it white as a, in an area that's black that's differing? And then fissures do not move. We said atelectasis, fissures move. So the third, fourth, and fifth bullet points are all affiliated with atelectasis. They're never affiliated with pneumonia. And the other thing is, like we just saw in the bronchopneumonia, the ill-defined margins, what differentiates pneumonia from a mass, like we just saw, especially in the bronchopneumonias, masses are more well-defined. Remember when we saw this, they, it was described as ill-defined, right? Ill look, I'm pointing with this. 
ill-defined margins. That's why it's not a mass, because a mass is still white, still radio-opaque, where you should have radiolucency, yes? But the, there's no defined margin like you would in a mass. Any questions? So we're moving on to atypical bacterial infections, mycoplasma. So the thing with the atypical bacterial, it is bacterial, but it has a combo. It presents as a viral and a bacterial infection when it comes to radiographically. So we're going to talk about mycoplasma because it is the most common of the atypical pneumonias. Bless you. How does this patient can present? It's like a subacute illness for two to three weeks. They will have a fever, right? Which is, could be common to both, especially a bacterial. Non-productive cough, usually common to viral, because we said bacterial pneumonias are usually present, unless it's an atypical like mycoplasma, right? They usually do not, they do, virals do not have, do have a non-productive, the um, pneumococcal does have a productive cough. Headache and malaise can be a combo of the two, right? And it accounts for whenever you know, when you hear community-acquired pneumonia, you always, the first differential on your list should be mycoplasma. Who, what do you mean by community-acquired? Nursing home patients, patients who are in a confined space breathing the same amount of air. If you have a, a hurricane and everybody's in spending a week in the shelter, those are community acquired. Lots of people breathing the same air in a small space. So what about mycoplasma pneumonia? So looking at the image, do we see the little consolidation um, lobular opacities? Here's one, looking at the x-ray, right? Here's one, do you guys agree with me? Uh-oh, where did my, uh, do you agree with me that this is one? Oh, let me see if I could reproduce this. This is gonna be fun. All right, so what I'm trying to reproduce is this lung. I'm, gonna, I'm producing one side of the lung. So if you look up, you'll see the little consolidation. They have little areas of consolidation, but you also have the interstitial pattern, which is sort of lacy-like. This is a really bad representation, but try and see if you can find it. Let me see what you, if you guys see it. So look at it, if you look at the hilar region, look at the, because I see it better from here because I'll get a neck ache by the end of the day. Okay, so we're looking at the radiograph, right? So we're looking at the radiograph. Do you see, look at the hilar area of the right lung, the patient's right lung, your left. If you go at, okay, that's like 11 o'clock, 10, between 10 and 11 o'clock towards the periphery, do you see that circular? Radiopacity, yes, there's one there. You can you appreciate at least that one? Yes, okay. And then look at the rest of the parenchyma of the lung. Do you see all those white lines, right? Going all the way to the apex, to the top. Look at it on the CT side. So we're jumping now to the CT. 
So with the CT, you see they have those little areas of radiopacity, but then you have the lines, right? Like the branching, the CT on that side. Yes? So here we're coming back with the ground glass opacities. So with the ground glass opacities, you're actually, I'm telling you, if you do not see it, do not stress because it's not the easiest thing to get your eyes. You have to see many and many of these, but it's almost like little divisions. So it's, um, it's nothing to stress yourself about if you can't see it. Like I'm not going to tell you, point out the ground glass opacities. You guys are not radiologists. I will tell you that a patient presented where the, the, the x-ray showed, the CT showed ground glass opacities and you have to kind of put it together as part of the descriptive, but I'm not gonna ask you to tell me if that's a ground glass opacity. So what's the other thing they, they showed you? Those little circles where that arrow is, that's thickening of the bronchial wall. And remember the reason why thickening of the bronchial walls can look circular like that depending on how they are coming how they're coming out so when we talk about thickening of the bronchial walls they look like this um well not really but so you see those little circles where the arrow is so what that is what that is, that actual bronchial is coming out at you so just think about it if i'm coming out at you and i cut it we're not cutting it right, but we're superimposing. That's why, so that bronchiole was coming to the anterior. That's why it looks circular. When we look at, um, when you look at bronchioles, bronchial thickening, they can also look like what we call a tram track. Oh my God, depending on the angle. So you could picture this is the thickening of the wall. This is the thickening of the wall if, if, it's not if that vessel is running uh, horizontal or vertical, not coming out at you. This is thickening of the wall if it's coming out at you. So it all has to do with how we, where it is in relation to, uh, is it vertical, horizontal, or more depth-wise coming out at you, like a 3D. Because our bodies are 3D, but that's how they're representing in a 2D point of view, because remember the axial slice is also a 2D. And whenever you hear the word bronchial thickening or cuff, cuffing, things like um, cystic fibrosis can cause bronchial wall thickening, because what is it? You have all this mucus building up in the actual bronchi, so it thickens the wall. And this is called tram tracking. Oh, they're called tram tracks. You remember railroad tracks, right? You have the rails and then the, it's just radiologists like, like to see that. Okay, so the key with atypical um, uh, mycoplasm, the atypical bacterial infections is you see a combo. So this is the combo. It's not only bacterial, it doesn't only present as a bacterial consolidation, it also presents as an interstitial viral because virals present interstitially. So that's what you have to remember, it's mixed, okay? So, yes. On which one? Where, I'm not hearing the last one. Where is the what? 
Oh, the consolidation. It's all in this, this area here. There's one. There's also hair. Oh, okay, because what I was, well, actually, I didn't even really, I wasn't really focusing on those. I was, that's the first one I saw. So if you look here. No, because the scapula has a straight line. The, the scapula has a straight, so this is the straight line of the, the scapula, but, oh my God. But this is a consolidation, B, the scapula is to the back of it. But if you saw, but seeing all of these other ones are still, yeah, your consolidation. Yeah, no, that's fine. I was just pointing out whatever was, you have, you have consolidation here, you have consolidation. You see, this is the rib and the consolidation looks like it's part of the rib. So it all, it, it varies. You just have to, the key is that if you look at that, you know it's not a clear lung, right? And the key is when you look at that, everything looks diffuse. It looks just like the bronchopneumonia, but you also have all the, do you, did you picture all the definitive lines that are just all over the place that you can, that you can visualize here? Like these here on the CT. That's interstitial, very defined because it's a scaffolding. Yeah? So TB, we're just going to run through TB real quickly. So you have a, a clinical presentation of a patient, 30-year-old male, was admitted to the hospital from home after a week of cough, profuse nocturnal sweating, loss of appetite and hyposomnia, meaning unable to sleep. You see the night sweats, whenever you have cough, profuse night sweats, one of the differentials is TB. Um, he was seen by the physician, well, this patient had depression, which really has nothing. But look at the history, IV drug use and hepatitis. So when we look at, when we look at chest film on, or any type of radiograph representation of TB, it all depends on if it's active TB or if it's post uh, re, what they call reactivation. So it's either primary or re post or post primary or reactivation, and they present differently. So with primary pulmonary TB, the upper lobes are affected more than the lower. Alveoli infiltrates, right? So you're gonna have what? You're going to have that, that consolidation because it's at the alveolar, the air, the air space level. It could be most, mostly unilateral, hyla, or paratracheal nodes, right? And for some reason, it's usually on the right side. For some reason, that's how the majority. Does it mean that you can have that on the left side? Yes. But it's usually rarely bilateral. So we're talking about the nodes. Look, you can get atelectasis. Why? Because you have paratracheal nodes. You don't know how large your nodes are. They can do what? Push on that area, right? That lobe of the lung, that segment, and cause a collapse, right? Can nodes do that? Yeah, because they're masses, yeah? And then you can have a pleural effusion. Why would you have a pleural effusion? Because if you have, if you have the, the lungs cannot expand the way that they can, what's going to happen is that the lymphatics, right, are going to become, um, uh, what do you call that, and compressed. So the fluid has to go somewhere. So they're going to start seeping out into the parenchyma of the lung. No, into the pleural space. 
plural effusions is in the plural space. Everybody thinks of plural, when you hear plural effusion, you think it's in the parenchyma of the lambda, it's in plural space. Don't forget that, because we're going to do plural effusion. Okay? And then you have post-primary reactivation, TB, may present as pneumonia from a, from a clinical presentation, but the key is cavitation. So a lot of times when you, and I'll show you on an image, cavitation is, is whenever you hear cavitation in the lung, you start one of your major differentials is, is post-primary or reactivation TB. So the patient will present like pneumonia, but the thing with these cavitations, when it's a cavity, so it's going to have a wall, a thin wall, but it's just going to be filled with air. You're not gonna have air and fluid. It's just gonna be filled with air. So let's see if we can appreciate. So this is a primary TB. So you see when we said it looks like what? It's consolidation, right? So these are, it's still airway. So this is the, this is the primary presentation. These are the nose, this is the paratracheal, right? Even though they said it usually doesn't occur bilaterally in this patient, it does. And then this is the, this is the CT. Look how you can see the soft tissue nose. And this is a reactivated. So very, you see the thin, thin wall cavity? And look how you can appreciate. Actually, it's in more than one place. There's a, it's in the apices as well. Very hard to appreciate, really, on a, a radiograph. But look at how easy it is, how nice it is to be appreciated on a CT. So what do, what do I want you to take from this is that reactivation, post-primary TB, cavitation. It's possible to see cavitation. Because what, if, because what I want you to get is the differences in how they look. So it, if I am gonna give anything on TB, I would quicker give you guys an image where you see cavitation because it's something that jumps out at you, right? Because this is just like an intro to some of your more in-depth pulmonary stuff. Any questions? So when they talked about there's no air fluid levels, because we're gonna come up to that too. When we talk about air fluid levels, if you have a cavity, just like in a sinus, air fluid levels mean that this is all air, this cavity is all air. If we have fluid in it, this is going to be the fluid, right? This is gonna be fluid. So this is what they mean by air fluid levels. So there's no air fluid level, and we call this, they call this the meniscus. Just like if you're looking at a half-filled glass of water, that's air-filled. It's half air, half water, that's all. So when we do sinus, when we do sinusitis, I think, yeah. Do I do sinusitis, you guys? I don't remember. Yes, we do. When we talk about sinusitis, they will, they, you'll have a description of air fluid levels. When we do abdomen, we talk about air fluid levels in the GI tract. So it's just saying that you have a combo. Oh, gastric bubble. The gastric bubble is an air fluid. The stomach will be air fluid. The gastric bubble is the air. If you did a, if you did a, um, an actual image of the, of, if you do, 
if they do an image of the stomach, which is going to take a different technical approach because you want to be able to see this thing, you will see, you will see air fluid levels. So the stomach will look like this and you will have the air. This will be the air and all of this will be fluid because most of the times we do have something going on in, in the stomach. Okay, any questions? So TB, the key is the reactivation state is where you have cavitation. It's an air-filled air cavity, usually predominant in the apices, okay? With regards to TB. And the, the, the difference that we saw clinically, the clinical presentation of TB is that those night sweats, the fever, the cough, the night sweats. We didn't see that in a bacterial pneumonia. Uh-oh, somebody's alarm is going off. Viral, it's not time, right? No. Okay, viral pneumonia, so we, we're going now, yes? Sure. One of the. Yes, yes. No, it will be both because it's a reactivation. Yeah. So that's a good question. So the question is that I stress on night sweats, and it sounded as if night sweats is just for the primary. It's going to be both because when you're reactivating something, it means that it was latent. It was dormant. So you're reactivating the primary because it's a post-primary, but you're going to have the same signs and symptoms because the patient is presenting with TB. But that's a good point. Thanks. Okay, so we, let's, get, let's get, now we're getting all that airway, opacity, the fluffiness, the bronco, the bronchopneumonia, because we said that's a combo, right? Let's move away from the grapes themselves. Now we're going to go into the actual little um, support structures of your little bunch of grapes, the interstitium, right? So now we're looking at what, the, what is holding the grapes together in, as a bunch. So viruses, more common. The viral pneumonias, I'm sorry, let me go back. Viruses are more common cause of upper respiratory tract and airway infections, but viral pneumonia is not as common as bacterial pneumonia. So even though they're the main cause, right, anytime you think of upper respiratory tract infection, it's usually, the majority of the time, it's viral. And the viral then, if it doesn't clear, switches to bacterial. But when it comes to pneumonia, it's not as common. It's not a common cause. If, however, you do have a patient who presents with a viral pneumonia, usually the, the virus that causes is the influenza virus. So that's the most common virus. Okay, and how do we diagnose viral pneumonia? Well, if you cannot, it's a, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. So if you've, if you've gone through your differentials and it doesn't match the bacterial and it doesn't match any of the other, the TB, the whatever, whatever, usually it's, an, it's, it's by exclusion. So that's the way you get to it. Nothing else fits. So let's call it a viral because the patient is, does have signs and symptoms. Okay, so what about the chest radiographic features? There is nothing, it's not really specific, right? Usually you can have, you'll have that bronchopneumonia um, pattern where we saw that you actually had the combo, right? Of the um, little, little lobular consolidation and the interstitial, or it can just be reticulonodular opacities. 
So you're not going to have the consolidation. You're not going to have the air bronchograms, right? You're still not going to have a pleural effusion because it's still pneumonia. You're not going to have a collapse of the lung. You know, all those things we talked about generally with pneumonia. Okay, so let's look at this. You see how different it looks? Can you appreciate the difference to a bacterial? And I think I have a slide at the end. So this was a patient with influenza. So the patient came in, they did a chest x-ray, and they called it right lower, fine reticular opacities with right lower lobe airspace opacification. So this patient has a combo. Remember we just said viral usually can present as a bronco pneumonia, right? So, so it, has a it has a combo. So here are your radio opacities. Oh, where's my marker? So can you appreciate the whiter area if you go up the, up the lung, this entire area here as being radio opaque? Let's jump over to the CT. So is this a soft tissue window or a lung window? Soft tissue or lung? I, I didn't even give you guys bone. Soft tissue or lung? Lung. It's a lung window. Once you can see the... Remember when I showed you the soft tissue window, the lungs just appeared black? But look at the details. So this is the, this is the lung window. So here you can appreciate, you know, it looks whiter than... Yes, I'm talking about the general black versus white. So the key here with, um, with, with your uh, viral pneumonias is that, like we said, it can either be a reticular nodular, or it can be a combo, or if you have like this, where I compare them, okay, I jumped, I jumped too much, okay. So like I said with the, with the viral, right? The viral can either be reticular nodular or it can be a combination of the two. But when you look more at this one, you could appreciate more of the fact that there is less consolidation than there is. Do you guys uh, uh, agree with me? Less consolidation, more interstitial, more of that. You agree? If you don't agree, it's okay. Huh? On all of them, because it's the same, it's the same patient. And look at, let's look at the x-ray. So it's like all these lines. Less consolidation, more, more of the interstitial, you all agree? So yes, you have your little, you have your consolidation at the bottom, but you have all these white lines and they're going all the way to the periphery too, right? Well, they don't really look like that, but, but that's what I'm trying to get to. And you will get accustomed to it if you start looking at them. I don't expect you guys to have the aha moment now. The aha moment will come as you go through and you look at more. So this is the key here. So the key is, even if I didn't give you this CT, which I will give you because I want you to also appreciate all of the white so you see all of the white in the CT. Remember, we're looking at different levels. Do so you guys appreciate that, right? This is more to the apices of the lungs. Same patient, but remember, we, we're scrolling. We do different cuts. So this is more in the apices, right? 
So you're seeing all the white, and as you go down, you're going down further and further, because look at the heart. Now you can actually see the heart. And look at how you can appreciate a little more of the consolidation, because it is a lot wider and whiter. It's more bunched up together. So this, this is not an easy CT to show you viral, but it shows you the combination of the two, which is how it usually presents. So the key is, does that look different to this, right? Does that, does this look different to this? This is a little bit of consolidation, but not that much. It's in the area of the hilar region, which could be expected because the patient is congested, right? The patient has a viral pneumonia. But can you appreciate the difference between them? So that's what you need to do. You need to appreciate. And can you appreciate the normal compared to the bacterial, compared to the viral? Just looking at, at it as a whole, it takes time, but it's not gonna just magically appear. You have to do, you have to do the looking at them all the time. Any questions? The light gray area? No, they like, so the light gray area is showing the very, very fine. The lines. Yes, the very fine lines. And it looks a little bit not as dark as the other area because you, if you compare it, right, there's a little more of them bunched up in that particular area. But if you look at this compared to, did we have a CT of, let me go back. If you look at that compared to hair, no, I'm sorry, compared to hair, or compared to hair, so you see it looks different, because it's not as compact. It can still, it's still interstitium, it's still radio opacity, but remember, we're going from um, big branches, there are lots and lots and lots of little branches, and if they're super close together, they're going to look like they're consolidated, but they're going to have that definitive appearance, and you have that combo. Does that make sense? Consolidation, correct. So the question is, if we look at the apices, right? So we, we, because they're lighter, gray means it's a little bit more opaque, right? Radio dense than the other outer areas. As you move down, right? Because remember, here is where we said we have the lower lobe is where we have the consolidation. Because this is two going on. Remember, we said viral has both. So as you move down, so you see how they coalesce and they become more of that consolidated look rather than more air in between, which you see all the black in between, so it looks different, so yes, it does. So I will say to you what I'm gonna do when I see you guys on, what's today? Monday. Monday. No, I'm not leaving yet. 
Um, what I'm going to do when I see you guys on Thursday is I'm going to just I'm going to give a put a bunch of images up, and we're going to see is this this is this that is this this is this that. So I'm going to I'm going to do that at the beginning of class. So let's see if we can move through plural diseases. So once again, we talked about the plural already, right? So we already said that the plural space only has about two to five mLs of fluid, and it's to prevent friction. On a normal radiograph or even a normal CT, are you going to be able to see, especially on a, a radiograph, should you see the plural space? No, you cannot tell the difference between the visceral, the viscera of the lung and the parietal lining, right, of the thoracic cavity. So we talked about two main things we're going to talk about with regards to um, pathologies involving the pathologies involving the plural, the plura, is we're going to talk about when there's, yes? Yes. The modality of choice is radiography. The view. So that's a good point. So the question, the question was that um, one of your classmates was reading a textbook and they said that the PA and lateral will show uh, plural, any disease of the plural space, but the lateral, the cubitus, is the more sensitive, is more sensitive. Yes, it's the most sensitive view, but the modality is radiography. So you have to distinguish between modality, right? Five modalities that we talked about. Radiography, CT, MRI, right? So those are the modalities. When we start talking about PA lateral, those are the views, but that's correct. So the PA and lateral, the PA and lateral are the views that we take, but the decubitus, the lateral decubitus views are more sensitive, and that's what we remember we had talked about. Correct. So, huh? Yes, and that's what we talk about liquid and, and solid now, liquid and air. So we, we talk about two things that can, we're gonna talk about the two things, fluid in the plural space and air in the plural space. Both of them radiography, both of them PA and lateral, and if it is that they cannot do a CT, because sometimes they'll go to CT, but if they cannot do the CT, like if it's a bedridden patient, the lateral, the lateral decubitus, or if they cannot get authorization for CT, a patient can do it, yes, the lateral decubitus view is the more, more sensitive than the PA and lateral for both pleural effusion and pneumonia. Pneumothorax, yes? Just, just Yes, it does not. So, no, no. So the question is that, and that's another good point, that the lateral decubitus will never replace a PA and a lateral. You always do a PA and a lateral. Because you don't know if you need the lateral decubitus until you do the PA and lateral. So modality of choice is radiography, views PA and lateral, more sensitive is the lateral decubitus, right? So what else do we know about the pneumothorax when it comes to air? Let's see if we can get at least through pneumothorax. All right, so look at this, pneumothorax, air in the pleural cavity. What else do we wanna know about a pneumothorax? It's usually divided into, they group them as, is it spontaneous or is it traumatic? 
and the presentation is going to be different with regards to how the patient got to when, what, what was the mechanism that it could, that caused, right, the pneumothorax. So when we talk about a spontaneous pneumothorax, they're divided into primary and secondary. So primary, uh, primary spontaneous pneumothorax means that a patient, it occurs. So a patient comes in, short of breath, chest pain, it just occurred out of the blue, right? You do a chest x-ray and this patient has a pneumothorax. That's a primary spontaneous pneumothorax, right? So it is usually, the precipitating event is usually you're healthy. These patients are usually healthy patients that it happens out of the blue. With a primary um, pneumo, spontaneous pneumothorax, tall, thin, 20-year-old smoker, whether they're smoking cigarettes or whether they're smoking marijuana, it is tall, it's usually the very tall, thin body statures, that's the group that they found that tends to present most with a primary spontaneous pneumothorax. The sudden shortness of breath, the sudden dyspnea, okay? The secondary and the cause is nearly always the rupture of what they call pleural blebs. So pleural blebs right, are just like little fine wall cysts that are present. I mean, you could have a pleural bleb and it could be there, and then all it takes is it for, to rupture, so it's air-filled, right? So it's an air-filled sort of cyst, if you want to think of it to, to visualize it. So when it ruptures, what does it do? It causes air to go into the pleural space, all right? So, but these are, it just occurs. Now, the secondary spontaneous pneumothorax the patient usually has an, an existing underlying lung disease. It's still spontaneous, but it's not primary, it's secondary. So something is causing the pneumothorax, something that's already there, something that's chronic. So patients who have like a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, emphysema, they can present with a secondary spontaneous pneumothorax. And then you have the traumatic pneumothorax. And what is this from? Penetrating trauma. Because when you have penetrating trauma, stab wound, a gunshot wound, what do you do? You cause a, you pre, what happens? It comes in, right? It hits, it goes through the pleural uh, lining, right? And then it's like a flap, it creates a flap. So you have an opening, but it flaps back. So now the air is trapped within the pleural space. So the thing with this is that because you have no flow in and out, these patients usually present with hemodynamic compromise. So these are the ones that could deteriorate on you. Okay, we're still talking air. Because if you have air in the plural space, what are you doing? You usually have next to nothing and all of a sudden you have air, so the, the chest wall hasn't changed, the metastinum hasn't changed. It's the layer, what's layering between the visceral and the parietal, that area, so you're compressing. It's not gonna stretch that way, it's stretching this way. Well, compressing, not stretching this way. Um, what else? In the ICU, it can occur in ICU patients who are on positive pressure, um, ventilation, these patients can present in, these, in the situation of an ICU, still traumatic, but it's not an external trauma like a stab wound or a gunshot wound, okay? 
Um, so those are your little blabs. Let me see if I, I'm gonna maybe, I'm gonna stop here. What are we at? Okay, let me stop here. So you guys could go eat. So when I see you guys on Thursday, what slide are we in? Oh my God, oh, I thought it was 11, because I know we have 80 slides. So when I see you guys on Thursday, what we're gonna do is we'll continue. I'm gonna have, I just wanna have more different, more different pathologies covered before we, we'll use the last 10 minutes to start looking at slides for whatever pathology we covered. Um, I don't think we're gonna have your, your test, definitely not the following week. I know, that word test. We're going to, our test on, our test on, um, the next exam too is based only on this information. So it's not going to happen. Definitely not at the beginning of next week. I don't even know when I have you guys next week. Huh? It's not going to be next week. So that's week seven. It'll probably be week eight. What are you all doing? About? Welcome to PA school. <laughs> Girl, and you only have how many courses are you guys taking? Physio, anatomy, and radiology. And physical, welcome to PA school. Enjoy, enjoy it while you can. At least you have days off. <laughs>